You're listening to The Next Dimension. Dragon Ball Z presents Son Goku Awakens, Piccolo versus number 17, and Cell versus the Androids. The Androids. The Androids. The get my announcer voice on for that one <laughs> hello and welcome back to the next dimension as always i'm jesse garrett and as always with me is my co-host in these shenanigans donovan morgan grant and shenanigans they are thank you very much uh welcome back welcome back guys um this is going to be a big episode in the month of april for 2013 not only do we have um you know the ongoing battle between the introduction of the new villain cell and the crazy shenanigans with the androids and the timeline to discuss uh, in this episode. But, uh, hey, it's April. That means Battle of Gods has already come out. Battle of Gods has come out to great... Uh, I know it's at least critical acclaimed, and also um, it's made a lot of money. Uh, nearly 3 billion yen, by my count, as of this date. And, um, obviously, I've not seen it yet because I'm not Japanese, nor do I live in Japan. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jesse hasn't seen it yet unless he's holding out on me. Uh, sadly, no. I'm not. I'm not secretly Japanese. <laughs> turning Japanese. I'm turning. All right. And um, but uh, that is that's about as much as we can say about Battle of Gods as of this point. Um, I will say that Konzenshu.com does have a detailed synopsis, uh, a plot synopsis of it, as does Wikipedia. I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm I'm mostly guessing with Wikipedia because I've actually not scrolled it for you know I don't want to be spoiled, but I know Konzenshu does. So you're gonna I, avoid the synopsis until you see it. Yeah, I, I really don't want to be spoiled. I mean, I know that, like, there's fighting but, <laughs> and, and the Super Saiyan God, but uh, I want to wait until I somehow see it. Um, I know that they have a review of it on Konzich. I believe that they had, uh, I know the latest episode, as of April April 4th, 2013, their latest episode of their podcast has a review of it. So has uh, someone there seen it? They do have one of their um, one of their correspondents who actually lives in Japan, and he did manage to see it on the first day. They got on the ground floor uh, really quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Battle of Gods, obviously we're going to cover it for the, for the show. But like, once I actually see it, then I'll, I'll, I'll probably give like brief thoughts or brief opinions without being spoiler-heavy, whenever that, whenever that happens. Hopefully I'll, I'll be able to see it by this time next month. Um, but that's pretty much all I can say. I, I will say the, uh, the current uh, sale figures. Um, the first two days, it earned about... Uh, in terms of U.S. dollars, seven seven million dollars, and Toy was wanting for it for a domestic box office take to be about three billion yen, and it's looking it's going it's going to exceed that, which is about thirty two million dollars uh, uh, USD conversion. So it's definitely. I mean, it's, we were, Jesse and I were talking right before we started recording that like for a two uh, D animated movie based on a franchise that's been dormant for almost twenty years, that's really really good. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, luckily Battle of Gods shows that uh, both Toriyama and Dragon Ball C haven't lost a step, and um, hopefully Donovan Morgan Grant will be able to see it by the next month. <laughs> uh, I can't think of a comparable U.S. 
animation, uh, proper animated property that would make that kind of money? I'm trying to think like a, a series that would be dormant for 20 odd years. Um, right. I can't think. Star Wars was dormant for roughly you know that long, a little longer, but that's that's a live action movie. The, typically, you don't get theatrical released animated pictures with that long a gap, and then turn around and do that well. Yeah, I was thinking maybe The Simpsons, but like again, that's that's a long going, ongoing franchise. Yeah, that's still that's still like permeates culture because it comes on, you know, every Sunday or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, for for a series to kind of come out, it's like it's almost comparable to like the Flintstones coming out and like you know just being as as relevant as ever. Uh, yeah, never, yeah, never never you know missing a beat. Right. So this is I'm looking forward to this, and because they have the original Japanese voice actors and everything, and I, I'm. Because of the reception, I'm, I'm really am looking forward to seeing this. So, um, now, it's good is this going to fall. get a dub? Like, do they have any plans for that in the future? I heard that uh, at best it would probably take two years for Funimation to, to get around dubbing that. I read that somewhere, and I hope it was from a reliable source. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure how long it would logistically take because they would need to Funimation would probably need to license the movie, even though they already have Dragon Ball Z licensed. Um, they probably being, need... uh, technically a new, I guess, not a new property, but a new venture. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think, I know it took at least a year for them to, to dub Kai, but I think they had, like, you know, adapt Kai first. Uh, I don't think it would be diff- difficult to translate, because all you just need is a translator. And um, because they have all the uh, original voice actors still, you know, uh, able to work, then I don't think it would be too much trouble. By would you like to see somewhere. the uh, original U.S. cast return? Oh hell yeah! I, I I absolutely. Well, I mean, um, the Funimation cast, yeah, like the one, the voices that do Dragon Ball Z Kai, you know, with a with one or two caveats, um, absolutely. And it would be interesting because because of the timeline it takes place in, it would be interesting to see if they uh, still use um, because this takes place after the Boot Saga. It would be interesting if they still use the their original Funimation voices for Teenage Gohan, Goten, and Trunks and the like. So um. It would, be, it, would, it would be interesting to see a Dragon Ball Z Kai take as in, you know, a more faithful adaptation to this kind of movie. Because they, they've yet to dub uh, episode of Bardock or uh, Goku and his friends return. Those are two things that have come out, you know, in the last few years that they've not dubbed yet. Although Kai came out, Kai came out in between those. So it does, dep- I think it depends on sort of, sort of like, I don't know what the deal is to be honest. But um, it shows that they don't, they don't just blindly dub anything. Yeah. I, th- I think because this is this is successful, I would, I think they would be remiss in not dubbing this. Oh yeah, it seems like it would have a market. I mean, I, I don't think it could get a theatrical release, but then again, that that kind of depends on the demand and how, just how well it does. Yeah, a limited release, I, I think it could get, but, I mean, I, I'd love to see that. You know, see that happen, like a dubbed version get uh, like a limited theatrical release. I remember we talked about this when we first started talking about Battle of Gods, that uh, in terms of like dubbed anime being released in theaters as movies, I know there have been at least two Pokemon movies and I believe a single uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! movie for a short amount of time. I don't think any other has... Because, you know, I mean, those were huge franchises in America. I think Dragon Ball Z... Maybe a limited release. Because Dragon Ball Z, you know, it was really big in like the early thousands, but that was about 10 years ago. Um... I'm not saying it doesn't have an audience, but, like, it has... I mean, you know, you have Naruto and One Piece and Bleach have sort of, like, you know, succeeded it in terms of popularity as shown in franchises. Um, it would probably... I mean, it would probably kill on, like, just the DVD market alone, so... I would imagine that that would be probably the strongest uh, way to go about it. Um, 
But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, all signs so far have just pointed like in the positive direction, so there's nothing <laughs> to possibly suck. So yeah, from going from the Battle of Gods pleasant news, uh, we have even more pleasant news because if you listeners remember last time, you failed us horribly in not sending us any emails or uh, z-mails. Uh, luckily, you've uh, acted upon your act of contrition and sent us a wide uh, number of z-mails because uh, Jesse and I are about to read 11 of them. <laughs> 11 emails. Uh, uh, some from regulars and some from newcomers. In fact, we've actually had a lot of newcomers come to the Facebook page and start emailing in, like like a lot of like you know first time list, uh, first time writers, long time listeners, kind of thing. So, uh, without further ado, sorry. I said it's so exciting. I know, for real. It's like I mean, I'm glad people are still listening. But I thought the download numbers were just like you know a glitch or something. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, I'll I'll start off with the first one, and then like you know, as typical, Jesse and I will alternate. So the first one is from a returning listener and emailer is Sean Stabileski. Sean writes, Hey guys, I'm sorry about you not having Z-mails last month. I watched a video you two might have seen. It is the death battle between Goku versus Superman. Many people are still debating. Even after it personally, I think, would be a tie between the two. So what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, we didn't actually talk about that uh, last month, did we, Jesse? About the, uh, the screw attack, Goku versus Superman battle. Because I know that was hyped up for a while. Um, I know you've seen it, but like just to say that for, for, for the podcast, like you have seen it, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. I actually recently rewatched it uh, today, just to you know double check, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a fair description of both characters, mm-hmm. and I think it's it definitely goes into their history, their feats, you know, what they're capable of, what kind of powers they both have. Uh, so it's it's geek heaven in that respect. I agree. I know that uh, there is a lot of discontent <laughs> with people say like like uh, for spoilers, Goku loses, um, and people. Barely. Yeah, I mean, people really. I, I like the moment this video was posted, people were really upset and predictably so. I mean, I, I wasn't the least surprised. I was, I guess, I was sort of like not expecting it or not thinking it was going to happen, but. People like I've been posted like topics everywhere saying you know empirical evidence you know uh, through through God and Japanese law that Goku should never lose to Superman and like I've not actually looked at them because I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean my my perspective is as a comic book fan it's going to be a little jaded, right? But just going into it you know off the top of my head it seems that Goku has died a couple times. Mm-hmm. Superman's died once that I can think of. Uh, kind of, he's kind generally of. shown to be more invulnerable than Goku is. Goku's very tough and very strong, but he get, he seems to be hurt more easily. Now, also, he does become more powerful, uh, you know, by his like Saiyan lineage, and he's also, I think the video even says he's very tenacious. Yes. So I don't like I don't think it would be an easy fight at all. No, and I don't. I don't think. Um, judging by the animation, which I thought was really cool, I don't think that it, it proved to be an easy fight at, at all either. Either. Um, yeah, I love the animation. Has um, Superman saying it's finally over? Yeah. It's like out of breath. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that, that's how it should be. You know, that's the most that's the most fair way of doing it. If it was going to be like a like a short two minute fight where Goku just gets his butt handed to him, that that would be very disingenuous to what that character is, and especially to the fans of that character. Well, well a few things that, that uh, need to be said about this. First of all, these guys seriously put so much effort into learning about the two characters' abilities, strengths, and weaknesses, and you know potentials, and really using mathematical uh, 
mathematics to uh, just basically kind of prop up what their potential is. Like they use like you know, I mean I, I suck at math, but I know they use a lot of you know addition multi multiplication to like you know. Uh, and empirical evidence, because, like, you know, Goku does, there are some points where you can kind of gauge Goku's power, because, you know, he trained on King Kai's planet, which had 10 times gravity, he was on the gravity machine, which went up to 100 times gravity, uh, his, uh, wristband and, uh, boots and, uh, blue shirt are weighted clothing, which, uh, you know, in Dragon Ball, they show that they were, like, 40, 40 pounds each or something like that, um, so, I mean, there, there's, there is leeway, and they, these guys use it to the fullest extent, um, yeah, they really did their homework, as you said. And one of the things I liked is that they uh, they they named specifics. Mm -hmm. uh, they say Superman has been shown to fly this fast in this issue, uh, and I'm like, wow, that's so. Yeah, they definitely did their homework, and not only to to speak to the animation, which isn't the most detailed, but uh, I thought it was very well done. You know, for for a thirty minute video on the internet, it's very cinematic. It's, it's very well, interesting. very cinematic. Yeah, I like the direction of it. You know, the direction and the style of it. Well, I think overcame any you know crudeness or any any basicness in the animation. Yeah, because yeah, it was very cinematic, uh, very like very fluid in the animations, and yeah, just beyond all that, just the amount of research they had to do. Because everybody can say, oh yeah, Superman, he can fly, right? He's got heat vision. Mm -hmm. But to dig deeper into that, they uh, they even informed me of something I didn't know about the character, and is that. Uh, they said that a red star, a red star will dampen his power. I knew that. Blue star blue star will strengthen him. And I was like, whoa, huh? Yeah, I don't know about that. Either. I've never heard that. <laughs> and they I'm use like, oh, uh, that's awesome. They use post crisis Superman specifically, so they really, which you know, where his power is actually paid more attention to. It's not yeah, just yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, a, madness. Yeah, a very more grounded and more yeah, like you said, paid more attention to very specific feats he could do. So I really enjoyed it. I'm going to watch more of their videos. Uh, I don't know if they have any more with Goku or Dragon Ball characters, but it'd be interesting to see more of those uh, the, the matchups. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a geek trope to kind of say, well, my character would win. But it's still fun to do that, especially when you, know, you have guys who, who do such a well job at that. Well, I mean, Goku, Goku versus Superman is, is, a, uh, is a battle which people have debated about and reached about for decades. <laughs> Like, like this is like one of the biggest, like you know, things that uh, who can beat who. Like, like that's been banded about for years and years and years. In all seriousness, it has. And it's I the think, epitome of East versus West. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's like you know, the strongest characters in like in like you know, geek fiction almost. And um, what I really liked about it is that uh, they made. They, I thought they made a good point in in presenting the fact that you know, as powerful as Goku gets, and he does get insanely powerful because it's Dragon Ball Z. He is shown from the very beginning. To, I mean, first of all, he was a lower class Saiyan. He had a power level of two, so he was sent to Earth. You know, he wasn't the most powerful. I mean, he was tough. He was strong for, but he was still like you know, he was still like his his strength didn't start out you know amazing, and he every every bit of a power he had he had to work for it. Superman, if anything about Superman's abilities and powers is that like it's all innate. You know, he was sent to Earth. You know, he, his his uh his, his Living under the under the yellow sun, which which energizes him, just keeps on getting him stronger. He gets stronger. Hypothetically, he gets stronger all the time by doing nothing. You know, so and his abilities, his train. He, he and Superman, they did show has training. Like he, he trained against um, he trained with um Kryptonian martial arts. He has uh, mental blocks. He knows how to use his powers in the most effective way. He's not, which which I which I like because I knew from the from comics that I've read that he's not just Mr. Punchy and Kicky guy. He does know how to fight. 
And hey, hey, Batman even trained him. Yeah, uh, at some point I forgot when, but uh, yeah, I think he he uh, trained him just in case he were ever to lose his powers. Right. And right. He, as the video said, he can't go wrong with that. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, one part I liked about it was in just in terms of like like watching the fight was when Goku went Super Saiyan two and started whacking Superman's back with the the power pole. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, that was that was very unexpected. I was like, "Oh, hey, that's awesome!" It brought the uh, the power pole back. And he was like, "And Superman's like, ah, it's magic because it is a magic pole." I thought it was really cool. Um, I mean, you know, you can argue. I mean, personally, for me, I'm under the impression that like, were Superman and Goku ever to meet and even fight, they wouldn't like you know. I mean, because obviously this is a death battle. It kind of has to have a you know an incredible fight, but. Because of their personalities, they probably wouldn't fight. I mean, there's there's an image going around the internet where they meet, and then they just kind of smile and go out for donuts or whatever. And that's, if you want to argue that, I, I tend to go over that. But in terms of straight up power potential, this is going to get us so many emails. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> I don't. Now, here's here's another thing that um, they did argue. They did factor in Super Saiyan 4, which we know by now, it's, it's been stated several times by Toy Animation, that isn't actually canon. Which honestly makes him weaker because he went up against Superman. Superman went up against Super Saiyan 4 Goku. Um, now, granted, Power of Gods or Battle of Gods has this Super Saiyan God form, which is probably Goku. I'm betting. So we don't, you know, there there could be factors which we've not factored in yet. But personally, I thought that they really made a good case for it. If anybody is really, really pissed off and really demands us to be corrected and wants to send in their cal- calculations as to why they were wrong, feel free to do so because it could be funny. But, um, I, Jesse and I are pleased with, with how it was. It was just entertaining. It's, just, it's for entertainment. It's not really meant to make people sad or angry. I mean, if anything, they, the, both, both, uh, both, uh, analysis of the characters were very congratulatory and positive towards them. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't biased in any way. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't skewed. And it was clear that these guys were kind of coming up from an outsider perspective, put as much work as possible, consulted you know, other authorities. Like they consulted Kanzenshu. They consulted the Superman homepage, which, uh, which, uh, uh, people that we know, uh, Jesse and I know, including Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor, who was credited on the thing, uh, are a part of. And, you know, they, they really went out and went to the best of the best in terms of providing an entertaining, uh, and, and interesting fight. So, um, uh, I like, uh, I liked it, Sean, and Jesse liked it as well. And, um, if anybody thinks that like Goku was robbed, I don't. Th- I wouldn't say he was robbed at all. Even if he said he, he lost, but um, or you could argue that he just used, should have used the solar flare the entire time and punched Superman out. But uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> so that was our thoughts on these uh, Screw Attack death match. I did see that they have other death matches on like on like the sidebar of YouTube, including Spider-Man versus Batman and Cloud versus Link. So I'll have to check those out in the meantime. But uh. From Mr. Alun Tyler, he writes in, I know he's uh, emailed him before, and his email shall be read up by Jesse. He starts off, Hello guys, after listening to your last podcast, I was shocked and bitterly disgusted <laughs> that no one's emailed in. Excellent. As were we, as were we. Oh, yeah. Especially at you, Daniel Yarbrough. <laughs> tisk, 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 Daniel. You left Jesse and Donovan with nothing to read out on the air. Well, I hope you're ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and you better have a, a mighty fine excuse why you let Jesse, Donovan, me, the next dimension, and other listeners, and especially yourself, down. I mean, did Goku let Gohan down when Raditz kidnapped him? No. Think about what you've done, Daniel. <laughs> Poor only Daniel, killing, Only kidding, Dan. You're okay. Oh, good lord. He is. We're not. 
<laughs> so my question to Jesse and Donovan is, at this point in the series, does the Saiyan ability to increase their power greatly after near-death combat not apply anymore? Android 18 beat the snot out of Vegeta and left him for dead. Yet when he is fully restored, he makes no mention of his power raising, only that he must train to achieve ascended Super Saiyan. Where do you guys stand on this line? Also, how was Trunks planning on taking Goku to his timeline? Have you seen the size of his teleportation pod? Hell yeah. And if he has only enough power for one more trip, how would he get Goku home? Thanks a lot, guys. And I must add, your audio quality has much improved. You've ascended. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, on a technical side, I'm glad the audio quality has improved. Um, I, I'd like, and I know Don likes, presenting the best possible show to you guys. And that was, makes it feel a little more, you know, quote-unquote professional. That was that was a mistake. I, I, it was no intention on my part, so I'll keep on doing what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, to to kind of brush over your um, your email here, I think my my theory with the uh, say inability to regenerate or to increase their ability or increase their power levels, mm-hmm. I think that perhaps Vegeta's already at so high a level now, so high a power level that the increase the increasing that happens you know as you get hurt doesn't doesn't seem as far or doesn't let's see how i'm trying to put it it doesn't seem as important or as great an increase compared to what he's already at or maybe it's something that gets diminishing returns that's a good point um kind of like kind of like experience points in a video game it's it's like it's like you know whatever beating he took it, it didn't improve him all that much yeah, it's like if he was, you know, a power level a thousand, and every time he gets beat up, it increases it by a hundred. It would seem more important. It would seem much more of a, you know, a higher percentage at a lower level. Okay. I I, that, I just completely pulled that out uh, of thin air. So. Well, I mean, I think that like uh, for one, I think that like no one makes mention of it. Um, personally, it didn't look like Vegeta got all that hurt. I mean, I know he was beat up, and they they said, oh, give him a sense of being, or he, he might die, but like he looked fine. <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't close to tears death. He just had his arms broken and he passed out from the pain. He wasn't like he wasn't beat as badly as he was when he went up against Sarbon, you know? Or Raccoon. True. He wasn't like, you know, just that broken in body. I mean, that's a good point. Uh Alan, because he says how to pronounce his name at the end. Um or Alan, I believe. Um Alan or Alan. Oh, he's from the UK. That is awesome. I know, I love it when you have uh, uh non local uh, listeners. Um I think somebody other than my mom's downloading this, man. I feel so great. Well, my mom downloads too, so like more than two people then. Yes. Um, I think that like basically the the the, the easy answer is one Toriyama forgot, <laughs> but uh, two, I think that like you could just say that Android 18 was so much more powerful than Vegeta, then uh, whatever increase Vegeta did get was negligible, and he might uh, he might know that after fighting her or. It just might be implicit. I mean, we see, like, the full extent to, like, you know, at least 17's power level, which shows that he really wasn't trying when we first fought against Piccolo, when he's fighting against Piccolo tonight. So I think that's sort of, like, my take on it and uh, the way you kind of got to look at it. Although, it is a good point to bring up why didn't, why, because usually when they, when the folks got beat up and then, like, would get stronger through their uh, power-ups, they would automatically come, become stronger to whatever hurt them. But, like, that doesn't apply here. So it's an interesting point, but I think that there is an answer for it. And as far as the uh, teleportation pad... I, honestly, uh, judging from the, the prior episodes, Go- it seemed that Trunks was almost ashamed to admit that to Goku. He's or he, w- he was very reserved, so I, 
I don't know if he had any intention of getting Goku home or hadn't hadn't considered that or even thought of that. Yeah. Maybe maybe Bulma and he were just like, let's get Goku to our timeline. That's all they thought about, and you know, it's selfish, but you know, it's it's probably all they could think about with the at the state they were in. Yeah. And then it, you know you could say that Bulma could create something after the world's you know no longer in danger uh, or no longer under these androids' tyrannical rule. Maybe she could create something that would get him back to his timeline. It, uh, that was actually a really weird thing that I don't think I've ever really read or knew about when I first. Until until we did it for the podcast, that Trunks said, "Oh, by the way, I was gonna take a go back to my time." And it's, it's just a, it's almost a throwaway line because it's never mentioned before, or, or it's never mentioned since. Um, I don't know. Because uh, he says, you know, ideally he was gonna come back in time and either do something to prevent the androids, obviously by saving Goku's life, or learn from Goku. I think as he said that like taking Goku back to his time was a last resort. So. Yeah, he, he, Goku would have to like you know he would have to like knock Goku out and like you know kind of crouch <laughs> along or it's like really it's barely it's barely fits one let alone two people and Goku's taller than Trunks so it would have been very uncomfortable and awkward if Goku woke up during the trip. Yeah, honestly, like I think it would be like a, it would he probably manage it if he had to, but like it's it's a very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, they could just resort to a larvae farm. Yeah, <laughs> which means I guess it would go back to like a fetus or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, God Super Saiyan fetus trunks. <laughs> With purple hair and all. Um, thank you, Alan. Um, our next email is from uh, someone named Logan. Because uh, it says unknown from unknown. But he says, he starts off with, Hey guys, my name is Logan. I'm 13, but a big DBZ fan. I started watching this month. I'm going to answer your stuff. Jesse, watch Inuyasha. It's great. <laughs> Referring to uh, uh, <laughs> Inuyasha, which is another anime. Which I knew I knew we used to air on... a. Uh, Adult Swim. I'm not sure if it does now. Don, watch Naruto. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> These are all recommendations. Uh, I know Naruto is pretty popular. Thomas Mass has wanted me to get into it, and uh, maybe someday. Um, you have you two have made me into a bigger fan. Things I don't get. Krillin died in Dragon Ball. I never knew that. You're doing great. Five stars. Also, you should let Daniel on. He knows his stuff. Uh, thank you, Logan. Uh... Yeah, Krillin's a, Krillin's a dyer, so he tends to... I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to get too much into uh, the details for Dragon Ball in case anyone wants to check it out. Um, but like some, some, some cold hard facts, like, yeah, Krillin died before. Chatsu died before. Just know that. Um, and it's actually a really funny scene. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you want to look that out, uh, look up um, the very end of the 22nd World Martial Arts Tournament, which bridges into the King Piccolo saga. It's like, it's, it's, it is a turning point for Dragon Ball, and it starts with Krillin uh, hilariously dying. Um, and Roshi dies before also, correct? Yeah, Krillin, Roshi, and Chaozu all died during the King Piccolo saga, which really bigs up King Piccolo as a character. <laughs> and um, it really pisses off Goku and Tien muchly. And uh, it actually is really good. Actually, it's very dramatic. So um, I would def- heavily recommend those guys. And uh, here's uh, the man on trial coming back after a, a two-month hiatus titled, I may be behind, but at least I'm not Yamcha. It's Daniel Dobro. <laughs> uh, what does he say, Jesse? Well, he says quite a lot, as usual, and I love every bit of it. Let's see. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello again, Donovan and Jesse. Wow, it's been a while since I've had the time to listen to your show and write to you guys. So long, I lost all the notes I had written up for episodes 14. He writes more, he writes more notes than I do, I swear this guy. <laughs> so I'm just going to go off memory of the big things you guys discussed in that episode. 
that I uh, that I wanted to share my thoughts on as I try to catch up before you record again. Now, first off, how can you guys simulate the full DBZ experience without having to go through the agonizing and annoying filler of Garlic Jr. <laughs> before you get to having all having to start the, the Android Saga? That is just cheating. Then again, I guess I can't blame you for wanting to get to the good stuff and what oh and what good stuff there is. I'm a selfish man, and I want. I'm saving Garlic Jr. for. We're doing like like the big filler arcs, like the Garlic Jr. and the uh, Afterlife tournament uh, after the main series. So we are going to review it, just not. We're we're going strictly by manga format so far. Frieza coming back to the Earth is a lot of setup for about five seconds of fight to show <laughs> off the new Super Saiyan. I w- it would be kind of a waste if it didn't work so well to introduce a cool character. I love Frieza's mecha design too well. I would e- I would even if it wasn't for the piece. Even if it wasn't for the piece of rubber padding stitched to him. Yeah, that, that did kind of seem out of, out of place to me. That's a really low budget for King Cole to do. <laughs> he almost didn't try. <laughs> I get what Toriyama was going with the, where Toriyama was going with the design with an ugly patchwork look to him, but the padded armor pieces just don't look good. But I do like the electronic sound they added to it in Kai. That was a nice I, touch. I thought that was a good touch, yeah. As for King Cole, he comes and goes so fast that I can never really get any sense of the character... So it was interesting to hear your opinions on him. Though I have to say, I never got the sense that King Cole was supposed to be stronger than Frieza. Yeah, he was larger, but his appearance resembled Frieza's second form, so I always took it he was only as strong as that version of Frieza. And I would chalk it up to chalk up any mention of him being stronger than Frieza to the fact that it said Frieza fact it said Frieza is weaker now that he w- than he was before. That is just my opinion though. Did it say that? He was weaker? Um, I, I know, think he, I think I think there was some reference made to, like, oh, something in your current state, you're not, you know, as strong, maybe. I know Gohan said to 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 you know pissing his pants Yamcha. Oh, this is nothing. Frieza gets much power, powerful than that. I, that's probably because uh, Frieza at 100 percent is all big and bulky. And I imagine that was sort of what he was meaning. But uh, I I agree. Um, it's never ever stated King Cold's power level in relation to Frieza. Frieza always brags that he's the strongest oh. in the universe, so you imagine that if King Cole's not saying anything, he either doesn't care what Frieza thinks, oh. or he is. But it's it's up to, it's um it's left up for interpretation. Yeah, uh, I think it's just kind of what we surmised. Or, and so, uh, yeah, it's never spelled out, though. You guys did ask the interesting question if you thought it would have been better for King Cole to have shown up on Earth alone. I wonder... Do you think it would have been better the other way if Frieza had just been picked up and recovered by his people and came to Earth all on, all on his own with no family relatives? I would have been um, annoyed by that. <laughs> like, no, but that, that would have kind of been like like the same as the Namek saga. Only he was looking for revenge, and yeah. it would have, it would have it would have provided the same kind of kind of thing, only without King Cole. I think King Cole is an inter- is a really interesting idea for a character. So, uh, like the strongest villain in, in the universe's father. Is is a really cool idea. So I think that um, just having Frieza come back for revenge, looking crappy, <laughs> you, you can't you, you can't wait for uh, you want chunks to kill him all the sooner. Yeah, and I think it, it does add that unique, uh, not only unique threat, but yeah, unique spin on Frieza that we didn't have, you know, prior to to this to his reappearing. The last thing I want to say about Mecha Frieza is that I always like the fact that the saga starts with him. I know the story arc can be split into five or six different sagas depending on who is doing the counting. But to me, from beginning to end, it's all about the Android Saga, and I like the idea that even the first opponent they face, in the first opponent they face in it, is basically an Android version of Frieza. It just ties it all together nicely to me. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. It does kind of set the stage, you know, to, for a more sci-fi, you know, robotic enemy. It, it it it's a nice like it's not freeze is not related to to the Andrew Saga, but I agree that like it kind of gets the whole robotic technology theme going right from the start. And um, I'm not sure if that was intentional, but it works really well. I I, I agree with that entirely. As for Trunks, the pretty boy of DBZ fandom, uh-huh. well, what can be said about him that hasn't been said by you guys? Every other DBZ fan and countless screaming fangirls, he is an awesome character with a great design and probably the most dramatic backstory of any character in the series. Yeah, his story is a little Terminator-ish. Now, I also, I also noticed a resemblance to X-Men Days of Future Past. I actually have noticed that also. But while it may not be the be wholly original, I think it's definitely Toriyama's own take on the subject, and it makes it fit really well for the series. I agree. Uh, it is very. I don't. I don't want to say derivative of other. You know, the other other. Uh, it's not the most but, unique plot point or plot. Yeah, line. it does. It does uh, share a lot with some very popular things, but it does fit into the story. You know, especially well. I think. I think it works well for Dragon Ball in that, like, it takes this uh, kind of whimsical you know violent at times but overall kind of fantasy oriented uh story and really kind of like puts a serious spin on its characters and i think the characters really benefit from that like i think this is the most serious storyline in the series and uh i think that um i mean it's it's a plot line which you can kind of pick out of any sort of like you know fiction uh genre or not genre but you know sort of fiction tale but dragon ball z it uses it to, to great effect i think as do i I will say that as a Dragon Ball fan back in those years before these episodes were ever going to be dubbed, when I would search the internet for any information on the series and found out about a character I swore he was the son of Boma and Yamcha. I have no idea how that worked when I was when I knew he was a Saiyan, but it was very confusing and I found out until I found out his true parentage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they even they even play it up like, Oh yeah, hey Yamcha and you know, <laughs> Yamcha's like, No, that's not mine. Have I said uh when I first found out about Trunks on this podcast before? Uh, you may have, but I don't remember, so enlighten me. <laughs> How diplomatic. Um, I, my cousin, uh, my older cousin, uh, had I think he had a computer before I did. And um, he was telling me and my brother about Dragon Ball. Because I think at that point, we had, it was like during like the Toonami reruns. We had only seen up to the Ginyu Force. And he told us, yes, Vegeta, he comes a good guy. And um, he has a son with Bulma. And like, I was like, that's the most unbelievable thing ever. You're not, you're not tricking me. There's no way Vegeta and Bulma would get together. She's with the Amsha. And then he says, yeah, his son. And his son's a Super Saiyan. His son's name's Trunks. And I fell to the floor laughing because that was the funniest name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and it still kind of is. Just like considering in the Western, you know, uh, and Western sensibilities, what Trunks actually is, you know, just, but it, it relates towards, you know, the whole Bulma family, because Bulma is a play on the, the term bloomers, um, which are, uh, a Japanese girl panties or something. Uh, uh, bloomers, I believe are English, uh, women's English, like pantyhose. Something, something like that. Similar? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the last name's briefs, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Brief. So his name's Trunks briefs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or trunks, trunks brief, Vegeta yeah. brief. Um, actually, that's a good point. Like, like, cause he uh, technically, technically, uh, trunks is a prince. If if Vegeta's father's dead and Vegeta's still alive, Vegeta would be the king. I guess you would need like a royal ceremony. Yeah, for I that like that Vegeta's still calling himself prince. Like, no, bro, you're a king now. That like, actually, yeah, your son's the prince. That does actually. Now that I think about it, that does get referenced in uh, Dragon Ball Z movie eight. I won't say how or by who. But um, they do 
some a character does come into place, like calling uh, Vegeta King Vegeta and Trunks Prince Trunks. So now that I think about it, um, that's actually going to be really good for you. Uh, I'll, I'll say no more. Look forward to that. One thing that always bothers me is when everybody is waiting around for Goku, and they keep comparing this stranger to Vegeta, noting how similar they are. And yet, not a single one of them mentions the fact that he looks exactly like a male version of Boma. No one picks up on this. Are you kidding me? Maybe that's why Tori <laughs> gave him that, her that afro so it wouldn't be so noticeable. Probably. Uh, I think I think right now, during the uh, cell, for Android Saga Cell Saga, Boma's hair is uh, pretty similar to Trunks. So. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're just kind of led to or we're supposed to infer that Purple hair isn't necessarily out of the norm for people. That maybe Boma is just somebody who's like a like somebody who has purple hair, or like uh, well, it is Japan. Yeah, you'd have like a redhead, you know, a a violent head. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like uh, again, like in the manga, in the manga illustration, Boma's hair is supposed to be purple uh, for some reason, not. But you know, her her dad's hair is purple. So that is a like a Toriyama design choice. Yeah, yeah, like like Toriyama's illustrated, uh, or he colored Bulma's hair as purple. Like I mean, in any in any of the manga uh, volumes with like the covers. In fact, I believe, I believe for the next episode, that volume of the manga has a cover of Trunks and Bulma in like an airship, and you can kind of, I and mean, they both have the same hair color. Oh yeah, I guess the uh, I'll have to find that. The covers are colored, correct? Yeah, all, all the covers are colored, and um, every like every so often there's a volume like chapter that's covered like that's colored, like uh, the fight between Goku and Vegeta or whatever. Now Yamcha really has gotten a bad rap for being a bad character in the fandom's eye. <laughs> Look, and mine. Looking at the series as a whole, it seems to be a result of the strange transfer of the characters from being almost the handsome leading man of the series to a comical sidekick. But I don't think Troyama or any other creator set creator set out to make him a sucky character. I personally don't think he sucks for that matter. Uh, that's Daniel, uh, not me. I, not that I think he sucks, but I think he kind of... Yeah. <laughs> the fact that all these other characters come and leave him in the dusk as far as skills and abilities basically left him with little else to do but be comic relief. And taking Bulma away to be with Vegeta left him <laughs> being the heartthrob of the series with no one to put him with, thus making him look like a womanizer. Which is <laughs> ironic... <laughs> I think he made himself look like a womanizer also which is ironic because he was the one who was always loyal to Bulma she would break up with him for even looking at another woman meanwhile she would openly lust after any handsome guy she saw but it was he who was pegged a cheater I mean yeah he was about to you know jump Zorba on the bones oh man I don't know what to say uh I'm trying to think, because uh, in Dragon Ball, like, the very first storyline they set up, the Obama and uh, Yamcha relationship, they get together fairly quickly. And they're, I mean, they're pretty much together the entire time. I don't think there's any, any tension between the two of them in, in Dragon Ball. I think Toriyama introduces that at the start of Dragon Ball Z when Bulma, like, like Bulma visits, you know, for the reunion. Uh, Krillin's like, where's, where's Yamcha? Yamcha, that, that jerk, he, he like, I think he like, said he, he went out with another girl or something like that, so... They're on now, their way Bulma out. and Yamcha are a few years older than Goku, correct? Yeah, like, like in the series starts, they're both 16 and Goku's about 12 years old. So, uh, they're, I mean, they're all like around the same age, but they're all a few years older. Than yeah, not, not like, you know, drastically older. But. <clears throat> no. but one thing about Yamcha that crossed my mind while listening to your show is the fact that Yamcha has the worst luck in all of Dragon Ball. The guy has luck that would make Peter Parker cringe. <laughs> Here's a highlight of, 
Here's a highlight list of Yamcha's luck in life from when we first see him in Dragon Ball to the point in the to this point in the Android side. Good luck. We meet him. We meet him. He is a successful desert bandit taking on his next mark, a 12-year-old kid. Bad luck. The 12-year-old kid is a super strong grandson of one of the world's greatest martial artists, and is hanging around with, hanging around with the one thing that makes him nervous, just like any other man, a hot girl. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that because like, like, when he's first introduced, he actually has a fear of girls and wants to find the Dragon Balls to wish that away. But once he meets Bulma, he actually gets over that. But that is, for a guy who's like a desert bandit, that is a rather wuss thing to be afraid of. <laughs> Good luck. He safely knocks out an attacker trying to kill him. Bad luck. The attacker is a little girl and the daughter of the killer giant Ox King. <laughs> He knocks out Chi-Chi. I think Chi-Chi, like, he uh, finds Chi- I'm explaining all this in Dragon Ball, but uh, uh, he f- I think he's looking for Goku or somebody. He finds Chi-Chi. This is the first appearance of Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi's like, you know, oh, you're attacking me. And he, like, like clocks her on the head unconscious. And <laughs> it, is, it is actually kind of funny to watch. And the Otic team goes after him. Yeah. Good luck. He's able to talk to a girl and convince her that he didn't attack her on purpose. Bad luck. Annoying little girl thinks he's in love with him now. That's why we think that Yamcha and Chichi had an affair. <laughs> Is that history? Good luck. He helped stop Evil Warlord from making a wish with the Dragon Balls. Bad luck. He is going to be killed for it. <laughs> Good luck. He is broken out of prison before getting killed. Bad luck. He was broken out by his friend becoming a giant rampaging monkey who is now going to smash him. <laughs> Good luck. He overcomes his fear of hot girls and gets a girlfriend. Bad luck. <laughs> that girlfriend is Bulma. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Perfect. That that could be like a that could be an internet meme. This is this is like that uh that Animaniacs uh, skate good idea, bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Enter the world's world martial arts tournament and makes it into the finals. Bad luck. Beaten in the first round by a goofy old man who no one takes seriously. Master Roshi. <laughs> so Master Roshi had made it into the finals? Master Roshi, uh, real quick. Who was a, I mean, again, Machi Roshi was a major player in the original Dragon Ball. He trained Krillin and Goku and told them, hey, enter the World Martial Arts Tournament to test your strength. What he did was he actually went uh, under disguise as another uh, fighter, calling himself Jackie Chun, which you, you see what they did there. And um, uh, he basically put on a wig <laughs> and would uh, fight the characters. And, like, you know, they didn't. Yamcha actually thought that he was, once he got beaten by uh, Roshi in disguise, he actually suspected he was Roshi. But, uh, yeah, he. Uh, uh, Master Roshi beat Yamcha. He beats Krillin, and he also, I know, and then on the next tournament, he goes up against Tien and loses. So uh, he's he's like he was a major fighter back then. Isn't Master Roshi also like two hundred years old? Yeah, but I don't mean anything. Good luck is popular and famous, and even has a fan club of girls. But still remains loyal to his girlfriend. Bad luck. His girlfriend doesn't trust him and dumps him in a childish hissy fit. <laughs> so how exactly is he famous? Just from the martial arts tournament? I think so. It's been a while since I read that. I know. It's like, you know, he shows up, like, he has cut his hair. He kind of has that, like, bad boy look. And I know that, like, you know, every single time there's a fighter who looks handsome in those tournaments, everybody kind of cheers them on. It's like, uh, I know later on, like, you know, like, like in, in, like, the boots, like, I believe during, like, the, the, the kids, the kids division, uh, I'm not, I'm spoiling this stuff right here, but, like, you know, Kid Trunks enters a tournament and people kind of say, oh, he looks so cute. So, um, hmm. so wouldn't in, in, in theory Goku be just as famous? Well, I what? guess Goku Goku is shown to live like off by himself, and it's kind of inferred that, that Yamcha lives more in the city. So. Well, that's the thing because like uh, Goku 
people, I mean, people say, oh, I remember him from the last tournament. Like, you know, he shows up and people remember him, but like, they don't remember anything else. They, they don't remember because like, they actually saw him turn into the giant monkey, so they don't, I, I, I guess they have selective memory. I don't know. And, and, and I guess Yamcha also seems like he'd be much more into the fame than Goku. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he is, without question. This goes on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Good luck. Gabus' friends and is ready to lead a charge on the Red Ribbon Army to save Goku. Bad luck. Gets there and Goku's already beaten everybody. Good luck. Enters the World Martial Arts Tournament again and again makes it in the finals. Bad luck. Gets beaten in the gets beaten in the first round and has his leg shattered. Ooh. Yeah, Tien, who was a bad guy at the time. He he actually has a really awesome fight with Yamcha, but like in the end, like uh, he knocks Yamcha out, and because he's a douchebag <laughs> at the time, he he uh, breaks the unconscious Yamcha's leg, and Goku like like says, you know, okay, okay you're mine, but uh, yeah, yeah, Jen like kicked his ass. Wow, I can't imagine those two fighting. That's that sounds interesting. I may have to I, YouTube that. That was that was I'll, I'll send you the video. That was actually really good. Good luck. Shattered leg keeps him out of fighting King Piccolo and his men. Bad luck. Has to see all his friends killed or nearly killed by King Piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just died anyway. Yeah, yeah, he would have. Good luck. I... Enters the World's Martial Arts Tournament again and yet again makes it into the finals. Bad luck. Beaten in the first round by another goofy old man who no one takes seriously. He's Is that also Roshi? No, that's actually Kami. Spoilers. <laughs> really? Kami fights? Kami, uh... It's really complicated. Well, it's not actually complicated. It's actually kind of weird. But uh, Kami, because because uh, at this point, you know, the Piccolo that we know, Piccolo Junior, uh, the Piccolo, you know, of Dragon Ball Z, is a bad guy. He actually, Kami has trained Goku and sent Goku to to defeat Piccolo in the tournament, and just to make you know, just for insurance, actually uh, assumes the identity of a human and like fights in secret and goes up against Yamcha. So uh, Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Good luck. After training with Kami, is strong enough to beat the Saiyans Saibuman. Bad luck. Saibuman is a kamikaze monster and kills him while destroying itself. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the death that launched a thousand memes. I know. It did. Magikarp beats Yamcha. It's super effective. <laughs> Magikarp, you splash. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's still funny. <laughs> Good luck. It's brought back to life by old girlfriend all her friends. Bad luck. Girlfriend now has a hots for the guy who orders his <laughs> death. That's like the worst insult. That, that, and it's, it's the worst fact of his life. Good luck. Is, is the first one to find the androids attacking the city. Bad luck. Is impelled through the chest by androids attacking the city. <laughs> yep. That's, I like that brief history of Yamcha. It's uh, the legend of Yamcha. And the legend of Yamcha. <laughs> it's like bad luck always means good. And you're you're gonna love what happens to him in the Cell games. I'm just gonna say that. That's, oh, I can't wait. That's, that's gonna be a contender. I've skipped some history here, and there is here and there, but I think that I have made the point that it sure sucks to be Yamcha. But none of that makes him a bad character. Just a really, really unlucky one. Back to the episode at hand. It's funny because I know at first I did not care for them, particularly the filler. I wanted to get to the androids and the fighting. That's kind of how I felt, and I, I was really excited for the next saga. Now, there are definitely highlights in the series for me, with just fun character interactions and development. And the clips you played at the end are a prime example why the Funimation version of the original anime is my favorite. Because while it can be annoying that they ref refuse to have any silence when they can fill the, air, the dead air with fun conversations, that can also add to the characters to me. That is a good trade to me. Because to me, once you've seen all the fights and you know who is going to win, the thing that keeps you watching the show over and over again is the characters. That's true. I agree with that, yeah. 
it's it's if you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the outcome. All right. And I'm a firm believer of character over story. I think one has to precede the other. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, it's the characters who are in the situation, not the situation that makes something interesting. Thanks again for reading my always long-worded emails. Still loving the show, and hope I can get caught up to li- on listening and emailing you before your next episode. Till then, take care, guys. Well, Daniel, as always, it's much appreciated. Love the conversation and the the discussions you bring to the show. Thank you for the history of Yamcha. That was <laughs> sad to read. It, it made me it made me feel better about my life, though. That really does underline or, or illustrate just because Yamcha. I mean, he's he's won some fights. I think he nearly he he nearly killed Goku when they first fought. You know, he had he had a really. I mean, his fight with Tien was really good. Like I, I think it's like one of the best fights in the tournaments. Um, his fight with the Invisible Man was notable. Um, but yeah, he can't catch a break. I mean, even Krillin catches more breaks than him. So that's actually like, I don't. I mean, it's. I don't think the Charmer had any, any hate against the character. But damn, like, he, he did not get the <laughs> character break. Uh, and we'll hear, we'll hear more from Daniel again for a preview. Um, we have seven more. Uh, next up is an email from Mr. Edwin Cordova. Edwin writes. Hey guys, my name's Eddie from PA, and I'm a big fan of DBZ and the podcast. I started listening to your podcast about a month ago, and waited to email in that that uh, email until I listened to every previous podcast in case it raised more questions or answered any. I like I like to start off with a mistake I heard you say in one of the older podcasts, which was Goku never used Kaioken after he turned Super Saiyan. He in fact uses it in Super Saiyan form against Pycon in the Underworld tournament, when he, where he, which he calls Super Kaioken. I had to go back and watch it because I, when I heard you say this, I'm pretty sure he's against Pycon. <laughs> Filler! <coughs> but uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you are right, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But you are right, sir. Um, the next thing I'd like to discuss is the difference between DBZ and DBZ Kai. I started watching Kai when it came out and noticed how a few of the differences like the dialogue. For instance, the discussion between Vegeta, best character ever, and Kui... It's basically the same thing, but with different words. When I was watching it, I was, it was like, wait, that's not how I remember the conversation going. I prefer the older version to Kai, as it took out some of the music, which for me heightened what was happening in the show. For instance, when Vegeta goes Super Saiyan for the first time, he had this awesome music going on in the background, and they took it out in Kai. I felt this took away just how cool it was that Vegeta was turning Super Saiyan for the first time. I do, however, prefer Gohan and Kai, because they make him look like such a... Uh, I don't want to bleep this out. So I do prefer Gohan and Kai because they make them look like such a P word until the Cell games in the older version. Um, hopefully you notice. Uh, yeah, pushover. <laughs> that's that's what we'll say. <laughs> if you want to know what he calls Gohan, just just go back to the episode three where I say how Gohan wussed out against helping uh, Piccolo and Krillin fighting Nappa. Um, anyway, um, hopefully uh, Eddie, you realize that. Uh, in the episode, I believe it was, it was, um, this is episode, we're recording episode 15, I believe. Oh, God, actually, what episode is this? 17? Uh, you'll, you'll know in the, in the number. But, um, hopefully you'll notice that, like, in the episode where we cover Vegeta becoming a Super Saiyan, he, uh, I used the actual, uh, Funimation music where he becomes Super Saiyan, like the rock music. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um... So hopefully you know, hopefully you notice and appreciate that because I, I agree that, that I believe it's called Hell's Bells, which is uh, his theme song. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. He continues with the new movie coming out. I was wondering what was your take, what your guys' take on it was. Why come out with a movie after so many years? Can it just be a tribute to the fans after so long, 
Or do you think that maybe the series will actually continue? With that, you said that GT doesn't count, yet I hear that there may be a Super Saiyan 5 in the new movie. Not true. If, if GT doesn't, doesn't count, how will they explain the transformation and with that the need for a tale to do it? Um, easy answer is that like uh, this takes place before GT would. And um, because Toriyama is actually involved... They and because this actually takes place before the this actually does take place before the dead end of Dragon Ball Z, like before the ten year time skip. So there is, I mean, if you want GT to count, it technically, I'm not saying it yet, but like you know, it might. Although I mean, it doesn't. It just flat out doesn't. But um, uh, I guess the simplest answer is to actually watch the movie. But um, uh, now, is Tor did Toriyama write this? He he developed the story. I know, and, okay. and, I, th and I know that I, I know that he said that like uh, originally it was darker. And he helped, uh, like, I think the ending was darker, and he said he, he made it a bit more Dragon Ball-esque in terms of, like, humor and stuff. Um, oh, that's cool. Which explains why I saw, I believe, was it Piccolo with a microphone singing a song? So, <laughs> I, I'll blame him for that. Toriyama! I, Toriyama! Again! But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Toriyama basically wrote it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he developed a story with the other writers from Toy, but, uh, uh storylines from him. And, um, after, why a movie after so many years? Honestly, that's a good question because, I mean, they've come up with, with ever since the anniversary uh, short, uh, Goku and his friends return, they've come up with the Dragon Ball Z stuff a lot in Japan. That, that was around 2009, and Kai started in 2008 or 2009, and, uh, you know, there was Dragon Ball Z Kai, it was episode of Bardock, and, um, you know, they've come up with a lot of, a lot of other games, and um, this, I mean, I think that like there's a, uh, I think there's a research in, in uh, Japan with Dragon Ball Z, and I think that this movie kind of you know is trying to capture that, and I think uh, so far it's succeeding in capturing that. Yeah, I think the um, the demand's kind of always been there, or you know, maybe it's increasing lately. But yeah, it it may be a like a, a dormant franchise, but uh, I imagine it's something that is still you know close at heart to the fans, and so it's it's something that's kind of always been on the probably always been on the back burner. To an extent. Well, things that are always popular but then go away for a while always retain their popularity when they come back. Well, maybe not all the time, but like, you know, Doctor Who, Dallas. Um, as long as they have like a, a relevance, you know, and, and they go off on good terms. Right. It's, it's, it's not like I don't, I don't think Dragon Ball was beaten to the ground, you know? Right. I mean, it's Dragon not like it would if they announced The Matrix 4, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I know, I know in Japan, I know like when it ended with the Busak, it was still majorly popular. It was, it was like at the top of its game. So, it's certainly like, you know, I don't believe that they got, it got tired. I mean, GT failed. <laughs> but uh, Dragon Ball Z, like like the manga, the Toriyama-driven uh, plot was still successful. So, I think that like this has a lot of that goodwill going on to it. Um, Eddie ends. I remember you guys saying the person who voices Goku passed out screaming from yelling. I'd like, like to know when this was because I'm willing to bet it's when he transformed to Super Saiyan 3 as I'm sure that lasts a whole minute and a half, maybe even longer. I, I don't know for sure. It's actually a rumor that I heard is true, but like I don't know when Sean Schimmel uh, passed out. Super Saiyan 3 transformation, yeah, it was because he does literally, I think that's the long, longest scream ever because he does like scream for a good like five minutes, which I'm sure they looped it. Um, <laughs> it would have to, I'd hope. In fact, in fact, uh, I remember in Dragon Ball Z movie twelve, where he goes Super Saiyan again. They absolutely loop, loop that screen, but also it actually looks really cool. But I'll say no more about that. Um, so I don't know, but I'm sure you can find out through uh, the internet or email Sean Schimmel. Love the podcast, guys, and keep up the great, great work. Thank you very much, Eddie. 
Um, our next email is from Mr. Reginald Barnes. Dear Next Dimension, really enjoyed the discussion about the fight between 18 and Vegeta. That was one of my favorite fights in DBZ, and I'm glad you loved it as well. I'm dying to hear you guys', you guys opinions on the origin of Cell and his connection to the Z Fighters. Anyway, I wanted to get your opinion on a certain topic. Recently, I just watched Bardock, Father of Goku, and remembered how much I loved that special. However, it also made me wish that the series went farther in depth about the history of the Saiyans. The Saiyans are a very unique and interesting race, in my opinion, and I wish DBZ, DBZ spent more time on them. I know that the series told us a lot about the history of the Saiyans, which includes the... Tuffles. Tuffles? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <clears throat> which includes the Tuffles, their slavery under Frieza, and the legend of the Super Saiyan. But I can't help feeling that there is still more to tell. Some of the things I wanted explained in further detail were the identities of Goku and Vegeta's mothers, and what kind of a relationship the fathers had with them, getting to see the relationship between the Tuffles and Saiyans, and the eventual war between them, and the adventures of the first Super Saiyan Bardock. Also, I wanted to find out if Goku ever met his father. I won't give any spoilers, but there is a certain part in the series after the Android Saga where Goku had the chance to meet him. I'm sure Donovan knows what I mean. Uh -huh. So what do you guys think? Should the series have gone in further detail about the Saiyans, or were you content with the info you, info you were given? And if a new series happens due to the success of the movie, <clears throat> would you like further revelations about the Saiyan race in the series? Keep up the good work, Reginald Barnes. Thank you for that email, Reginald. Um, I think the second half, or the, the first little bit about Cell, we can, we'll <coughs> discuss after the synopsi. Uh, the second half, uh, do you want to hit up first, Bob? Uh, about uh, more in from the Saiyans? Yeah, would, would you like more out of the Saiyans? Um, personally, the only part I would like more about is... Uh, yeah, I agree. I would like to know more about Goku and Vegeta's mothers. Because, um, like, I mean, for all we know, like, we know we've seen Vegeta's father, we've seen Bardock, obviously. And really, the only female we have seen is, like, um, I, I don't even remember her name. from Bardock's Goku crew. on, uh, yeah, Bardock's crew. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean... Toriyama has freely admitted more than once. In fact, he actually says this uh, in one of the recent interviews for Battle of Gods, which apparently has some romantic scenes, that uh, he really uh, he doesn't consider himself to be a good uh, romantic writer. And any sort of time that he introduces romance, he kind of tries to get away from it. Uh, which is funny because this saga right now we're going over has the most romance, I think, in uh, all of Dragon Ball Z. In fact, we actually <laughs> we'll, get into, we'll get into a little bit with Goku and Chi-Chi. But um, until then, like... Uh, even still, I mean, obviously, because Saiyans are sort of a mammal race, there's got to be a mother. And, and Raditz even mentioned parents, so I would have liked to see that. I mean, you wouldn't have to make it too romantic. I mean, it's sort of like, sort of like you know, testosterone-fueled love fest, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I want to see that. Otherwise, I was actually rather content with what we got with the Saiyans. I wasn't really demanding more. Maybe that's because some of the movies, or at least one or two of the other movies coming up, does give in some more background uh, on King Vegeta and what a dick he was. And um, basically, I think the best, I think the most information anybody was ever considering about was in Dragon Ball Z Movie 8, which we'll uh, hit up in a few months. Um, so, But I, besides that, I really was, I was fine. I mean, I, I, mean, I was fine with uh, what we got in the main series about the Saiyans, and I wasn't really demanding more information. But what do you think, Jesse, now that you've kind of come to this, far, this, this point? Because we're not really going to get... Besides movie eight, we're not going to get too much more information about the Saiyans. Uh, I could take it or leave it. 
in that, uh, as you said, I'm kind of content with the information we have. I like to suppose certain things, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's certain enough that those suppositions could be, you know, educated to an extent. We know, you know, the, what the race is like generally, the type of culture they kind of have, a, a small bit of the culture they have. Um, so it's not like we're completely in the dark about them. Right. Uh, that being said, you know, if something happened, if a, if a movie happened or a series happened where it was at least partially set back, you know, set in the time that the fans were alive or thriving, I would be down for it as long as it was written well, which mm-hmm. which sounds like a cop-out, but um, as long as it felt like Dragon Ball, it didn't just feel like kind of a, a fan service or just, you know, slap in the same name on just like a whole other sci-fi, you know, show. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd be down for it, but... Um, I wouldn't. It's not something I feel it's lacking. Okay, yeah, because I I think that um I mean the Saiyan and Free Saga gets into a lot about it. Um, I mean it's interesting because Dragon Ball Z was never really, I mean not Dragon Ball Z but Dragon Ball in general was never really meant to like you know be about the Saiyans, but it kind of became that throughout the the first half of Dragon Ball Z I'd say, and that's not a bad thing. I think that like um I think I think a lot of fans, especially in America, really love like the whole Saiyan mythology, and it's really interesting too. I mean, like, like the a warrior alien race which lives to fight is cool. I think because of uh, that interest, I mean, Bardock is a very popular character. People love Vegeta, you know. People love Goku and Gohan. I think people really and Trunks as well. People really attach to them and kind of like would like to know more about their mythology. But I don't think it's sort of like a story that kind of demands to be told more than it, than it was. That's not me saying you know like like they shouldn't ever tell us more about it. But like I'm I'm perfectly content and I was not. If there's one thing that like there's a lot of things in Dragon Ball Z which I wish they kind of did more or did, but uh, more saying information isn't one of those things. Now yeah, you you said the past that Goku isn't revealed to be a Saiyan until DBZ, right? Yeah, like the very first. Yeah, like, uh, like when we see it so. revealed, that's yeah. the first time it's ever happened. So he goes through the entirety of Dragon, Dragon Ball. Ball, you know, just being a guy with a tail. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's cool. That's that's interesting that you could. It doesn't seem like a, a very right. easy character uh, character revelation to make, like part part way through or with established characters. But they, I think they pull it off well. Um, just you know, from D, my DBZ experience. That'd be like that'd be like uh, not revealing Superman was an alien until you know the fifties. Yeah, it's interesting because like I mean, kind of because he is has a tail and turns to a giant monster. You roll with it. There's zero explanation. But yeah, it's it's not one of those things where you are saying that came out of nowhere. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But because of because you and I come from an American audience where Dragon Ball Z was made popular before then, we immediately grew up knowing or you know got into the series knowing he was a saiyan there was never a mystery so it's very i I can't tell i can't talk about the uh the older audience who followed dragon ball since 1984 uh and where they first found out that he was a saiyan and you know i mean again i I think that you know the fact i imagine it was like probably a shock or you know at least uh huh you know kind of like aha moment right now have you gone back and watched the original series after watching dbz Oh yeah, I've I've seen all of Dragon Ball at least once. Is it once. now? Does it does it watch any differently with that you know foreknowledge? Could you could you pick up some areas that may be inconsistent or even unintentional like foreshadowing? Well, the one thing that is always true, which I, I'm not sure if Tom admit this or not, but like whenever Goku gets beat up, he does get stronger. Now there's always ways for him to get stronger, like uh like when he first went up against King Piccolo and got his ass kicked, like he had to train a bit more. But 
Krillin does say in the, in the Namek saga, like, you know, yeah, Goku always got stronger whenever, after, after a fight. That was always true for Dragon Ball. And, like, going by the same biology, that actually, it's sort of like Toriyama sort of realized he was doing that. Yeah, like, but, oh, hey, you know, I can, I can turn that trope into a uh, character trait. Yeah, I can turn that cop out into a character. <laughs> um, but there's no, there's no like, I mean, there's no like hint of um, like we don't, we don't see the Saiyan pod at all in Dragon Ball. We never ever see it, or there's never any hint of it because obviously it wasn't made yet. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a fact that Toriyama didn't come up with that. But um, because because Dragon Ball in itself is based off of the Chinese legend, um, uh, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, uh, which I actually saw like, like a, a a performance of a few months ago. Um, it's interesting that I mean I think it's like because it's based on the, sort of that, that Chinese legend, you're sort of rolling with the idea that Goku's some sort of like monkey strong boy, but I mean I don't know it's 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 interesting. It has a lot of ties or a lot of similarities like a werewolf story or a yeah like a, any kind of bestial you know full moon comes out you transform. Well, I mean, at the same time, we, I mean we didn't know that Piccolo was in a Piccolo Kami were Namex in Dragon Ball. We, they're just green dudes with antenna. We didn't we we we, we never find out why. Uh, uh, Krillin has no nose, or Tien has three eyes, or Yamcha has the scars. Is Piccolo, or is uh, Mr. Popo in Dragon Ball? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's the first to train Goku before uh, Goku gets trained by Kami. Really? Hmm. It's actually really funny. <laughs> so um, there's, there's, there's. I mean, there's still there's things that are explained, things that are never explained. It's, I mean, it seems like it's things you could just say, hey, you know, this is magic. Well, but delving things... deeper, you you kind of see, no, it's actually sci-fi. You know, here's a, here's a little more explanation to it. It adds a level to what's already already put in. It's um, it's one of those things which I think Toriyama just decided to explain rather than you know, uh, just make more make hay of it because you know, it was one of those things like watching the series. It doesn't demand to be explained because there's so much weird stuff going on, but uh, Toriyama did make a lot of uh, he, he he he. There was a lot to dig with that, so he he rolled with it as best he could. Hmm, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like like the amount of stuff. I mean, like hell, this this saga, the Red Ribbon saga. He just goes back and like you know just mounts all of that uh, stuff that because the Red Ribbon arc was really long in Dragon Ball, so he just he made a whole sequel to that with this. So uh, so our next email <laughs> is uh, from uh, some mysterious person who we've never heard of before, titled "No More Emails." I only send emails. It's some guy named Daniel Yarbrough again. <laughs> <laughs> How about this is going to be a short one? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey there, Jesse and Donovan. So, uh, Daniel writes again, I'm finally catching up on your show, and I'm, now I get to send off my first official Z-mail. Listening to you guys, you are getting knee-deep into the Android saga. Bring, bring, brings back all kinds of good memories of great DBZ episodes and the time when the series was at the height of its popularity. So, I have a few things to talk about as, as came to mind as I listened to your discussions in episode 15. Because I forgot to mention it last time, I wanted to say it here. I absolutely hate the Funimation theme music for Androids 19 and 20. <laughs> Whenever they attack that and that stupid cir- circus music starts, I want to change the channel. Like the ill-fitting rock music in the movies, it just does not match the scene at all. How am I supposed to take them attacking the city seriously when the music sounds like they should be there should be a car full of clowns on the screen? <laughs> uh, which I, th- I think we were spared of from Kai, but I- I'll take your point. The fight with Android 19 and Goku is one of the most often overlooked fight and forgotten fights. I think because it's such a brief fight. The action is great. I always liked how fierce Goku is in it, and I like that while Goku loses his loss, his intensity in the fight, and any mistakes he makes can be chalked up to him wanting to get it over with as fast as possible because of his because of his heart. So he lost even though he was stronger. Vegeta gets an awesome showing as well. He, um, as well, he sh- shows off being a Super Saiyan. 
and the way he gets a hold of 19 and puts a fear into supposedly emotionless machines. You know it takes something special to make an attack with a, as goofy as of a name as Big Bang Attack into an awesome classic moment of the series. <laughs> Tis true. <laughs> that said, I never understood the explanation for Vegeta's transformation. With Goku and some of the other Super Saiyan transformations we see later on in the story arc, there was a great emotional break to becoming a Super Saiyan. And they do try that with Vegeta having this flashback showing he was transformed. He looks like he just punches rocks and gets mad at himself. And he is mad over the same things that he was already mad about himself, so that, that Goku is stronger than him. It doesn't seem like enough to cause this sort of transformation. I mean, he might as well just turn to a Super Saiyan with no reason or explanation than, other than he is a Saiyan. So the series never, but no, the series would never do that, right? Oh, I, I see. I see what he did there. Um, hmm. He has an interesting point that, like Vegeta, it was still it was sort of like the, that talk we had about the Funimation dub saying that Vegeta kind of like just went crazy at one point and just hated everything, as opposed to the original uh, meaning where Vegeta was, you know, mad that he wasn't as strong as Goku. Would you agree with that? That like it's sort of like not it's not as intrinsically different as most of the other transformations are or will be. I think I think it's more internalized, mm-hmm. which I think it, I, I I gathered that from it. So I think it is, um, it's it's definitely unique in that aspect, and I like it. I like that it's it's himself holding him back, rather than like yeah, a physical boundary. It's more, it kind of it kind of play it kind of adds more to the Saiyan super going Super Saiyan as a like enlightenment almost, not necessarily like a physical boundary you have to hit. Right. It almost is sort of made to be like this physical thing rather than like sort of like the the breaking point of ultimate anger that Goku experienced on Namek. That's I find it I find it uh, interesting that Goku, yeah, Goku kind of does it via external anger or external sources angering him, you know, Frieza, and yeah, yeah. and Vegeta is more internal, like angry at his own self or his own inability. Mm-hmm. And Vegeta, you know, typically is the one who's who's more brass, more or more brash, more not more expressive or emotive, emotive than Goku, but he's more. I guess he's still superior. So that's that's a good uh, like dichotomy, I guess. Well, Vegeta, I think, is one of the, one of the angrier characters in the series, uh, comparable to Gohan. In fact, now that I think about it, uh, spoilers: Gohan becomes a Super Saiyan. Although I won't say when, but um, I think the way Gohan becomes a Super Saiyan compared to Vegeta is a bit comparable. And we can talk about that when that happens. Um, I mean, it makes sense for Vegeta's character, but I do take the point that like it's not all that special considering it's just him being mad at the same thing, and that and that eventually he just becomes Super Saiyan. So. I understand what he's saying. I understand where Daniel's coming from. I do too. I just, I mean, just like at face value, it's like, well, okay, all Goku's friends died. You got stuck in a lightning storm, like, you know. <laughs> yes, it's like you know, cry more. Um, it continues. One thing Donovan didn't mention when talking about the appearance of Android Eight in Dragon Ball is that thanks to filler, it makes Jiro's place in the canon even more confusing. That's because there is a filler episode of Dragon Ball which reveals Android 8's creator as a kind-hearted scientist named Dr. Flappy. Ma- making things more confusing. Flappy? Yeah, F-L-A-P-P-E. Um, and I didn't talk about that because it was filler, but it, it was basically like, you know, he was the scientist who created the androids. Whoops. Um, making things more confusing is the line that Android 17 said, Dr. Jiro destroyed all the previous Android models when 8 will make cameos in Dragon Ball Z and GT. That actually is, uh, that's actually canon because, and I posted it on the, on the Facebook page, there is a page where Toriyama shows the history of the androids, and, um, it does state that, like, uh, he did destroy all the androids in between, um, 8 and, uh, 16. I mean, you, you can argue that, like, you know, 
maybe 17 didn't know that 18, Android 8 was still out there, but uh, that's actually true. Um, I, not, not that he destroyed number 8, but he destroyed everyone after that. Hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, if, you guys, if you guys don't know, just go to the Facebook page of Next Dimension and look at this image I put up from the manga, which uh, uh, shows the history of the androids by Akira Torama. This is the one only thing I, don't not like, I do not like about the inclusion of Dr. Zhou in the plot. It was a great idea to bring back a connection to the Red Ribbon Army, given what a big part of Dragon Ball that story was, and using robots and technology as a way to make a new threat works perfectly. But making up a character that was never there, <laughs> saying he was the branch of the outfit, is, annoying, is just an annoying bit of retcon. Alright, so Dr. Zhou is a new character. Yeah, he never appeared until uh, we first see him. And like, even mm. though, even though like, he, like Android 20... He says, you know, like, oh, well, you're just, you're the defeat of the Red Ribbon Army, uh, you know, led to its disgrace and ultimate disbandment. Dr. Zero was humiliated. Because, yeah, the, the characters don't seem to be familiar with him, but I just chalked it up as maybe they didn't meet him. But, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I assumed he was, like, yeah, the, the head bad guy of the army. That's, that's interesting. Actually, no, because, like, it's funny because the Red Ribbon Army had a very, like, distinct line of characters. Like, you know, this saga has Android 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. The Ribbon Army had, like, guys, like, it was, like, what was it, Colonel, uh, Colonel Blue, General Red, General Black, Colonel Purple, or whatever. I mean, they're, like, you know, kind of these characters, uh, uh, distinguished by, like, sort of, like, ranking names uh, assigned with colors. Like, the, the big bads of the Ribbon Army were General Red and, and Black. And, um... Makes sense. The so, colors. Yeah. <laughs> My General Black was actually a black guy. <laughs> well, oh, wow, that's so bad. <laughs> Uh, but, well, um, I'm, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. Nah, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, Doctor Zero was nowhere near that saga. In fact, I mean, I think that Doctor Zero's actual design almost is indicative of Dragon Ball Z in terms of Kuriyama's artwork at the time. Whereas back in Dragon Ball, these guys, I mean, they were you know serious for the time. But like, you know, if you compare them to the bad guys now, they're totally look kind of goofy. So I think it just kind of shows. And honestly, it's a retcon to be sure. Um, I think the Funimation says that, like, Jiro was the head of the Red Ribbon Army, where he w wasn't. But, I mean, the original manga does say, like, you know, he was around there. Goku doesn't know who Dr. Jiro is, but Trunks informs him, you know, he was... So it's it's a retcon, but it doesn't necessarily contradict what was written before? Not necessarily. In, in there's, that, some, there's some leeway? Yeah, there, there, there's some wiggle room. It doesn't actually... It doesn't, I mean, nobody said that, like, you know, like, that we, have, we have a doctor who's making, you know... Androids uh, eight through twenty, and you know he's this. Like, I mean, the filler did that, <laughs> but um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't strictly. I mean, I, I want to go for the actual plot. It doesn't actually on it that badly. Um, I mean, there, there's there is wiggle room for Goku to like for Goku to have missed out on some red ribbon characters. He doesn't kill everybody, so uh, there you go. Um, uh, Daniel uh, continues that um, I never heard about. Androids 1920 were supposed to be the only androids. It's interesting, but I cannot imagine how the plot would have lasted or nearly been as good that way. I love the other androids too much everyone to see them go. 17 is a character I never thought much of. He always just seemed to be kind of there. But lately, in rewatching the series over and over again, I like his personality and character more and the subtle, way it, subtle ways it is shown. Android 18, on the other hand, is one of my favorite characters in all of Dragon Ball Z and hands down the best female character. Awesome look, great fighter, and a fun kick-ass personality. I'll be honest, the Funimation recasting her voice in Kai is the reason I stopped watching that version. It's nothing against Colleen Clinkenbeard. And she does a she's a fine voice actress, but Meredith McCoy is Android 18 to me. It's such a different voice that it just doesn't feel like the character anymore. Thank you for providing the voice actress names because I was too lazy to look them up. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I, I agree, and I, and I just specifically put on uh, sound clips from Meredith McCoy's Android 18 in the last episode because I, I just, I, in fact, in this episode, I was, I was even more annoyed <laughs> by her voice. But I really, I really do like uh, her original kind of like more, more in line with 17 and 16 sort of like robotic voice. Because um, it, it, it didn't sound. I mean, I'm telling this to Jason. It didn't sound corny. It sounded, you know, it sounded logical for the character. It sounded kind of like you know monotone, but still humanish. And uh, Daniel continues. I'm just glad that the, I'm not the only one who thinks Android 16 looks like Raccoon. I remember seriously wondering if there was a connection between the two when I first saw images of the character. Like you guys, I really like the plot twist that the timeline is changing. It helps eliminate some of those time travel paradoxes and puts Trunks in the same position as everyone else of not knowing what's going to happen. My only problem is with with it, with it is that there's no explanation how things are changing. How does Trunks come to the past, killing Frieza, change with the androids? Whether the androids appeared or how Drew got killed, that just never made sense and always bugged the heck out of me. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the timeline uh, in the in the synopsis because uh, there's more revelations. Yes. Last but not least, I have to comment on the discussion you guys had from the emailer Reginald Barnes sent you. If Goku was a good father, this is an accusation I've seen pop up with a lot of fans, and I just think it's ridiculous. Without getting too spoilerish, the argument is mainly based on the times Goku has gone from Gohan's life, and that completely ignores the fact that all those times he has gone, it's not by choice or something that Goku is doing for his family's safety. And really, without trying to spoil too much by the end of Dragon Ball Z, Gohan is about 26, and out of those 26 years, Goku's been gone for less than 10, so saying he was not around is just not true. And all, if, if all Goku really cared about was fighting, he would have he would have left with the Saiyans to or Frieza to fight across the universe. Even if it's not outright said, one of the main reasons he fights against him in all the dangers he faces is because he wants to keep his family safe. I think Goku is a character who who lives his life in the moment and does not think of the things how his actions will affect his family or his friends in the long term. On the upside, this is why he can face all the challenges ahead without any real fear. And on the downside, it's why he can go years on without seeing people who would matter to him. He will simply see them again when he sees them, and doesn't think about uh, the fact that this may be the last time he sees them. But I, can't, I cannot stand the argument that Goku is a bad dad. Given the life and the world that these characters live in, Goku is an ideal father. He may not always be there, but he is there when it matters, and he's always supportive to his son, believing in Gohan when he doesn't even believe in himself. And why on earth is Goku considered a horrible father when no one says crap about Vegeta? <laughs> the guy... Well, everybody, well, well, I don't know about the fan base, but everybody in the show kind of states that Vegeta's very standoffish and he doesn't really care. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Vegeta is called, in the show at least, Vegeta's called on it. He, by, by Trucks himself. I mean, Gohan doesn't complain about his dad. Uh, now, I can't remember, um, I don't believe I called uh, Goku a bad father. Um, I don't think we did either. Given the given the circumstance. Uh, I will say that some, It's. I think it'd be possible for him to be a bad father uh, unintentionally, you know. I mean, because yes, he's doing he's doing what is necessary to save the world, to save the son. But by doing that, he's also missing out on being a father, you know, just because it's a necessity. Uh, you know, I imagine children of policemen and firefighters don't necessarily have the closest relationship because their parents are busy all the time. Um, it's not, you know, I'm not comparing real life heroes to you know people in a, a fictional work, but. They both, in that instance, you would have a calling to do, you know, the, what needs to be done, the greater good, and that would take you away from your family life. Yeah, now, the accusations that Goku would just up and decide to leave or willingly, you know, go out of his way to avoid his son, nah, that that's crap, because he does, it, in his downtime, he does seem to generally like to hang out with his son and enjoy his company. Yeah, 
I'll say this again, because I know I said it last time. One of my favorite moments of Goku is in the Cell games, when he's sort of confronted with the kind of dad he is. Cause that's, it's, actually, it's actually a serious character moment. Um, and in the in the Pusaka, he, he, has, he shows a lot... He's a bit more fatherly towards uh, Goku and even Goten. So, um, there's no see, see there. I mean, obviously, if, if Goku were a real person, he'd be a bit of a di- an idiot. But um, at the same time, uh, one, it's a cartoon. <laughs> but two, also, like, yeah, I mean... I think that's just the character. I mean, I think that Toriyama... People were really... Uh, I, I learned that the fan base was really concerned when Toriyama married Goku to Chi-Chi. But it, Toriyama just went to show that, like, you know, the character didn't change at all. <laughs> he really didn't. So, like, you know... It's just, it's just a fact that his um, his nature is, you know, he wants to fight or whatever. But he doesn't actively do it at the cost of his son. You know? Like, in fact, I don't think... What, at what moment... I mean, true... He didn't immediately come home from the, after the Namek saga at the very end, but he did come home. And it's like he, he said he, he said he would come home on his own terms. I mean, that, that's probably the worst bit. But um, even then, I mean, he was training because the super he super felt super. it was necessary. Yeah. Grand, and granted, there was no immediate threat, but if your job is essentially to save the universe fairly regularly, you'd want to be as prepared for that as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's, there's never any instance where Goku just actively says, "I'm not going to be with Gohan. I'm going to do this or do that," at at, at his son's expense. I mean, Vegeta, not Vegeta, Chiji does whine him a lot. But now, I have to wonder if you can, if people argue that Goku is automatically a bad parent, do they also argue inversely that Chiji is a good parent just because she's constantly trying to get be around Gohan? Well, that's ironic because nobody really likes Chiji. <laughs> it's like no, Chiji goes out of her way to keep. To keep Gohan and to a lesser extent Goku, you know, at home, even at the expense of saving the universe. Yeah. No one's claiming that that's a good thing. <laughs> I I don't even know. I mean, I, I mean, like, by that by that token, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is Bulma, you know, like like should Bulma? Uh, I mean, Bulma. Uh, Bulma's a horrible parent. Yeah, I was I was, I was getting that. Like, you know, she 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 brings her kid to like you know, a freaking war zone. Like, what the hell? Again, in these episodes, it was a cock. I know, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, okay, let's, let's, let's lay it on the cards table. The parents in Dragon Ball Z aren't the best, whether they mean to or not, but I don't think they're as bad as people say they are, or at least, at least in terms of Goku and Chi-Chi. Um, Vegeta, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brief is probably the best parent. He seems to generally still have, be involved in his daughter's life. Despite his own wife. <laughs> <laughs> Despite his, yeah, his trophy wife. Right, and, and even Vegeta later on, I won't say much before this, but Vegeta does change. So, uh, uh, honestly, this is actually a really good discussion for the end of the series, I'll say, because there's a lot of development that's, that's coming in terms of the familial relationships with the characters. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to uh, touch on this point later on, then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, was, I was in Daniel's uh, email. I think that's enough for any and Raven for me. Still catching up. Still trying to catch up to your show, but I'm enjoying it every time I listen. It's always a great. It's always great to listen to you guys go over the series, so keep up the good work. Sincerely, Daniel Yarbrough. Thank you very much, Daniel. Next, we have a very short email from somebody called Nico. In episode two, you guys mentioned Goku is the second person to make it on Snake Way, and the first was 1,000 years before. The first person was actually King Yima. Sincerely, Nico. Who's he talking about? But <laughs> the the red dude at the check-in station. Um. I- King Yama. Really? Is it a King Yama? Yeah, that is King Yama, right? I think actually, I think you may have mentioned that during the episode. 
I've not listened to episode two in forever. Uh, I thought I did, but if I didn't, you know. Now, is that the same guy who's driving him down the, the road? No, no, no. That, that's just uh, some unnamed mook. Okay. Uh, yeah, King King Yama. Yeah, King Yama is uh, the. Uh, I he, I'm I'm not I'm not confusing the characters, am I? King Yama, because who else would that guy be? Let me, just, let me hold on. Okay. Uh, this is this is gonna bother me because I'm I'm 100 sure it's King Yama, but whatever. King Yama. Uh, yeah, 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 King Yama, the redhead, the red dude for the, like the horn, the beard, yeah. thing. Yeah, that's it's him. It's kind of like Ox King, or my Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he's he's a dude. That like, guy uh, ran all that way. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, like that's what Kami said. Like, you know, he's the one. He's been uh, like he was the guy who's who's stronger than Rats, and then King Kai is stronger than King Yama. So, and then says, you know, aha, Kami, I'm gonna have to train you in hell, lols. But um, yeah, we did. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't know if we did. So like, I listened to it back. But if we didn't, we're doing it now. Sorry about that. Uh, our next email is from. Uh, thank you for that uh, email, Nico. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. I don't, I don't mean to be short. This is going a bit long. Um, our next email is from uh, a guy called Jordan. Uh, hello, Mr. Jordan. Hey guys, great show. Just found your show, and I'm listening to all of them the past month. A new villain. I love the idea of Cell and the androids. I always felt that, other than the character from Dragon Ball, there was no tie back to the old show. And I feel that bringing the Red Ribbon Army back with Doctor Zero was great. If you've never seen him in Dragon Ball. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, wow, we just checked on that. Awesome. <laughs> my next thought is that the idea of Doctor of the Doctor failing so bad to stop Goku as a kid would force him to come up with taking the powers of all the Z Fighters, Vegeta, and Frieza to make the ultimate killing machine or beast was really cool. More on that in the synopsis. And my final thought for this was I love the idea of Doctor Zero not being able to see the fights on Namek. It being a problem because how could he possibly know that Goku could become a Super Saiyan and improve in such a way? Thanks, guys. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about all this on the next podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, we always love praise, so thank you very much, Jordan. Uh, I'm glad that you discovered the show, and thank you for writing in. That's exactly what we want, so uh, keep uh, keep at Continue it. Continue listening. Absolutely. Um, oh, wait, actually, he actually, he actually does. Uh, I, I don't have to send you to you. He actually does say, um, by the way, my name is Jordan Cruz. I didn't say it in my last email. I'm a pre- in the previous episode, you said that in the in the Frieza saga, it was the last time Goku uses Kaioken. When actually it was the last time it is used in the other world tournament against Paku Han as a Super Kaioken. I have, I have a sense of deja vu. <laughs> uh, but that, that is true. Our final email is from somebody named Isaiah Maurer, I believe is how what he's called. So let us finish up the emails with Mr. Isaiah Maurer. Hello, fellow DBZ enthusiasts. My name is Isaiah. I recently found your stellar podcast within the last couple weeks. I'm happy to say, as of today, I am completely caught up. Bad news is, I'm completely caught up. <laughs> so since I'm on par with everybody else, I thought I'd write and I should write an email. You guys have a great podcast. Only a few things I would change, but later two minor to fully bring up. Thank you for a great job. So I'm going to jump right in with a few thoughts. Jesse mentioned he felt the Super Saiyans felt the Super Saiyans became redundant. This was in talking about Gohan being a Super Saiyan in the Battle of Gods trailer. I wanted to bring up, the Saiyans we know in canon could maybe become Super Saiyans purely because of their will and lineage. Son Goku was the first we saw, but then quickly Vegeta is also. So, because of their DNA, maybe it was easier for their sons to turn? Or, like a a spoiler-free point, maybe since Goku and Vegeta learned how to turn, they were able to step-by-step teach their sons. Just like Goku step-by-step showed two others how to do something else. <laughs> Staying completely spoiler-free. Maybe? <laughs> I know exactly what talking about. <laughs> I also would like to mention, I watched the new trailer, and it may be just me, 
but the fighting seemed more hand-to-hand -hand than we were used to in DBC. Yes, energy attacks still, but the trailer seemed more original DB Dragon Ball fighting style. Moving onward, I had a thought. Would, wouldn't it be more ominous had if in Cell's first form his beak never move, moved and he didn't talk at all? I imagine just a villain like himself prowling the earth and when <laughs> Kamikolo met him, <laughs> there were no answers to Kamikolo's pleas and inquiries. Sorry, I had many more thoughts, but have forgotten. Apologies, my friends. I eagerly look forward to the next episode of DBZ, The Next Dimension. Well, thank you for that email. Thank you, uh, Isaiah. Brief, but very nice, very uh, informative for us. So I think he had a few points we'll get into. Uh, with the Saiyans being uh, super, or Saiyans, quote-unquote, being redundant, uh, I think I'll touch on the, that point with the synopsis because it kind of ties into what... Uh, some that I think we're gonna we're gonna get into here, or I I kind of had some notes about it. Uh, I like the idea of the of the Saiyans teaching their sons, or how to become how to become Super Saiyan, or it being in their lineage. That mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a pretty good point. Maybe maybe only certain Saiyans have that potential. Uh, I mean they're they're only more Saiyans because uh, the Saiyans in these in the in our cast of characters are a horny bunch, <laughs> but um, uh. As of the end of the series, not everybody who is a Saiyan is a Super Saiyan. I will just say that. Hmm. Um, okay, makes sense. But, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, his, his, his quote about uh, redundancy in, in DNA. I mean, obviously, like, you know, the potential for Super Saiyans is greater with the half Saiyan, half human hybrids. So, um, I'm, I never had a problem with uh, the characters who do become a Super Saiyan, becoming Super Saiyans. Uh, if, if ever I do later on in the series, it's typically because of how they do it. But so far, like, the fact that they do do it is never really a big thing for me. And uh, as far as the trailer goes, more hand to hand, I noticed that also. Um, that may be to the threat, like the type of fighting style that the threat's more oh yeah imposed or more uh, more used to, which I think is cool. I'm always a fan of martial arts, um, particularly I think the the energy blasts can get uh, redundant or can get has a tendency to be able to be get, getting kind of kind of dull or kind of yeah, kind of like 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 not not as interesting. Yeah, and I think martial arts—it's—it's it's typically a lot quicker action, and it's always fun to see you know someone get kneed and have all these crazy moves, and it's still it's still fantastical because they're moving at crazy speeds, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I did see one part of the trailer where um, I know it was just a couple of the fight where uh, Beerus stopped. I believe it was either Tien or Piccolo with like chopsticks. I was like, oh man, I gotta see this. So that that was pretty cool. That was definitely that, that definitely evoked some Jackie Chan esque kind of martial arts, which yeah. I know Dragon Ball was heavily influenced by. Uh, as far as the beak, uh, you know, Cell having a beak and not not, not the beak not moving, uh, we touched on that. I think we both agreed that would probably be a better design choice, or I don't say better. Uh, I would have enjoyed it more. Oh yeah, yeah, I would have too. Uh, as far as no voice, uh, I originally didn't expect him to speak. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, he, he he'll maybe eventually learn how to speak, but. Uh, and at that stage, I was like, oh, he's, he's just going to be a silent villain. And then he spoke, and his beak moved. I was like, oh, I was kind of disappointed. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose because of his character, he kind of is, is required to speak. But um, well, he has to give his monologue. Yeah, he has to give his, his master plan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree that, like, um, I, I don't mind him speaking. Um, he, has a, he has a really creepy, buggy voice. But, uh, yeah, I, I do wish that, like, his mouth wouldn't move. Because it, he looks really intimidating as that... Um, you know, you know, sort of like emotionless-looking freak of nature. 
Um, but thank you very much, Isaiah. That was a really nice email. Thank, thank you to everybody who's emailed. I mean, this was really long, but personally, this I like this. I like I like people giving their thoughts and showing their appreciation for the podcast. Absolutely, keep them coming. Yeah, I think it definitely makes the show more of a, a dialogue between us and our listeners. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, and so, and basically, if you, even if you guys think that, like, you know, oh, I don't need to send an email, uh, my thoughts are too stupid, or, you know, people, or this won't be interesting. No, 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 just, uh, we want to hear your thoughts, so. Um, no, 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 just listen to what I say all the time. <laughs> keep on doing what you're doing. Um, so, I think this calls for quite a break. Uh, I'll put in some promos, and when we get back, we will, shall finally get to the return of Piccolo versus Cell and the many adventures to follow. Hi, it's me, Donovan. As you probably figured out, this email section went rather long. In fact, it was actually longer than our actual uh, coverage of the episodes. So what I decided to do was to split this up. You know, I don't want to, you know, burden you guys with too much content. Although, the uh, second episode should be readily available by the time this episode is already out. So you can pick and choose which one you like to listen to first. And um, until then, you just finish the email section and get ready to hear the coverage section where Jesse and I cover Cell vs. the Androids. See you then. The time has come. I know, Bubble. Yes, I can feel it too. Tsunami's got new Dragon Ball. Bring it on. Frieza, Super Saiyans, Trunks, and more. 77 episodes never before seen in America. Don't expect me to go easy on you. Dragon Ball Z today at 5. Things will never be the same.